me off my wrist goes click. Oh, that was loud. That was a good snap. Hi, welcome back. It's Tori. We've got another podcast episode still with no theme or official name. I'm waiting for somebody to give me one. (laughs) Not actually, I'm not in a rush, but welcome back, episode 23. I'm excited for this one. I haven't had a guy on the podcast in a hot minute. Yeah, looking actually, the last one would have been episode 18, Dean, and this guy is quite a guy. He's a lot of guy. He's big. He's tall. His name's Jake, and I think you're going to love him. Now, I met him not even that long ago uh, through his job, which you'll hear about in a second, but again, just one of these people that you meet and you're like, oh, you've got a story. I know you've got a story. Everyone's got a story, but he's got a story, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. I do very much need to warn you, though, there is a lot of discussion about suicide, suicide attempts, um, mental health in general, men's mental health, which I love. I don't love men's mental health. Is not what I'm saying. I'm saying I like that we're talking about it. He's one of those people, too, who has like a very deadpan delivery of like really wild stuff. So you're going to hear that. And he's also definitely somebody who can make light out of um, some pretty awful stuff. So without further ado, please help me welcome Jake Town. On my coat to face the night Till whoever's not here that I say goodbye Pay what I owe for these sins of mine And look round this room one last time Look round this room one last time Through the smoke she found me Her dark eyes were too lovely Her kiss stopped the hurting Take me home, Lorelei You can have yourselves another drink Cheers to who I used to be Her siren song is calling Take me home, Lorelei If there's a question and you're like, "Mm, I'm not about that don't have to answer There's nothing. I, I had a feeling. <laughs> we were good. No, so I'll just, I guess, give a little context. I met you <laughs> through going to the place that you work, which is a bar slash restaurant that I fucking love so much. It's become such a spot for me. And it's, all, it's to see you, obviously. Stop. But it's just such a good destination. I've been there on dates. I've been there with friends. Okay. So I know you're an interesting dude. A lot so of bartenders so. are. You know? Yeah. It's like, um, honestly, bartenders are more entertainers yes. than they are servers. Yes. For the most part, especially in places like Windsor where, like, you're not in a big city that's just going to be busy nonstop regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. In a city like this, um, a lot of what you do and the why people come see you is because your personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had people come see me at places where I'm just putting vodka cranberry in a cup. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's enjoyable. I... You are a therapist, mm-hmm. you're a chef of sorts creating things, mm-hmm. you're that shoulder to cry on, you're that funny day when mm. someone needs it. You're a comedian, yeah, yeah 100%. I fully agree that bartenders fill a lot of roles and uh, serve a very important role in our society. Now, you're not from Windsor, though. No. No. So where did you grow up? All over. Mm-hmm. So I was born in London, Ontario. Oh. Yeah. Curveball, you didn't know I didn't know that. know that. No, yeah, I did Victoria not. Hospital. Then I lived in Woodstock and Ingersoll for a while. Where's that? 
Ingersoll is from us. It goes like London, Ingersoll, Woodstock. Oh, okay, okay. It's like 10,000 people, I think. I don't know. Ingerhole is what they call it. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah. That was an interesting place. Oldest of five. Okay. We lived in a two-bedroom house. Wow. And this is in Ingersoll? Ingersoll. Okay. My okay. dad uh, was a Baptist preacher. Holy shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. My mom worked at the bank. My mom had five kids by the time she was 28. All right. Yeah, that was a place that's where i actually got my first concussion oh that's how you remember it yeah, i was pushed off a slide when i was two hey i pushed somebody off a slide when i was, was your name spencer my name is you, <laughs> piece of shit? no i pushed my cousin i distinctly I'm, remember it i've been trying to find spencer oh oh so you don't really know who he is no he was a 10 year old i was two. <gasps> yeah that's unfair and like, inst- like i was sitting at the slide instead of pushing me down the slide he pushed me off the slide oh that's fucked up like just if you want to go faster just go it's probably like, a sociopath though probably yeah, he's probably out here pushing kids off all kinds of yeah, shit probably hopefully he's in jail <laughs> but then i like fell off was paralyzed on my left side. From that? Yeah. Holy shit, at the age of two. At the two, yeah. I was unconscious for 15 minutes. Oh my God. Major concussion. The doctors assume that that's where my brain damage stemmed from, so. Because okay. I've had like the depression ever since I can remember. Okay, so they think it started when you were two. Yeah. Holy and then my shit. parents, I found this out when I was 17. Oh, you're I like, chose why am I the like two this? roughest sports. Okay. I never knew I had that concussion. I chose football and rugby. I don't do it. If I knew if I fell off a slide no i wouldn't change anything <laughs> but yeah then uh so we were very poor okay yeah, let, let me stop you right yeah. there so your about- father the baptist preacher yeah so obviously religion played a big role in your life when you were young for right a while, yeah. yeah for a while okay we're, we're gonna <laughs> there's a lot to unpack uh, there's a lot to unpack like okay hours. okay well it seems to be that you you know your timeline best so after yeah. you get the concussion at two you're living in ingersoll 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 yeah. Your father's a preacher. You guys are poor. You're yeah. the oldest of five. This is like an HBO show. Yeah, <laughs> I've said this lot. before on the podcast. I have somebody named Dave. I, I think I need you to meet. But holy shit. Okay. So you say that you've had issues with depression since you can remember. Yeah. You'd be really young. Because oh, yeah. I, like, I feel like, I don't know everything, but it kind of sets in for a lot of people roughly around the age of like 12. Like when puberty starts happening, right? It's so, actually the... First time I tried to kill myself when I was 12. When you were 12. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, there's a lot. With okay, me. okay. so after Ingersoll, how long did you live there? How so old I was in Ingersoll till 12. So my dad stopped the church shutdown or something. Then he was security for Cami. Then he did security systems for a private security. And then he opened up his own computer store. Oh, okay. So I have a lot of uh, computer technology in my background. Okay. Religion and, his, and computers. Yeah, All right. Uh, <laughs> then his partner stole from him, so that went under. And at the age of 36, he decided to be an RCMP officer. At 36? And white and fat. Wow. Yeah, he was like three. He was pushing like 300. Holy or shit. Or probably more. He was a big boy. And this is still in Ingersoll. This is all yeah. happening in the same spot. Okay. And then he just scored insanely high in the aptitude test wow. and they accepted him because he was amazing. just like one of the smartest people they've ever had and what about your mom during all this what's going on with her my mom worked at cibc as a teller and raised five kids good for yeah. her so are and you close with your siblings yeah <laughs> yeah and what about your parents are you close with them now always have been good that was also another thing that played into like before i knew i had depression i'm like i have an incredible family why do i feel like this but being the oldest so i'm the youngest of four mm. girls and you're the oldest of five, which is insane. Three sisters and a brother. There's this idea, and I can't really speak to it because obviously I've never been in this position, but 
the oldest sibling acts as like an alternate parent. Is that how it felt or? Mine was protector. Yeah. So the reason why I tried the first time minus like the depression Mm -hmm. was um, I noticed that my mom wasn't hungry at Uh, meals and she wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because she wasn't hungry. It's because mm-hmm. we didn't have food. Yeah. And I noticed this a lot when my dad, because he got accepted to the RCMP and he had to go to Regina for six months. Mm-hmm. So at 12 years old, I was kind of put into the man of the house. Yeah. And I was 6'2", 185 in grade eight. I was like, grade eight? Yeah. 6'2". Holy uh, shit. I haven't really, I only got fat since grade eight. <laughs> you I only grew one other uh, Yeah, I didn't grow anymore. You know what? I've been the same height since grade eight as well yeah. and I was like very tall for the people at my time but I, I remember feeling like like did you feel like you were like sticking out like it was like uncomfortable or when I moved to Penticton they thought I was a substitute teacher <laughs> which has got to be uncomfortable right it's weird. like you're going through puberty and, and you're looking so much different and getting yeah. used to all this new stuff and then you move apparently okay so you're six two grade eight mm-hmm. one suicide attempt under your belt yeah by 13 yeah by th- that's so up. So then, where did you move after that? We went to Penticton, BC. I like that. It's a like interesting place. Yeah, is it busy? Is it high population? So or? it's like a summer vacation town. Ah. So like you're in the Okanagan Valley. So there's the Skaha Lake, Okanagan Lake, the town, and then mountains. Is it beautiful? So it's gorgeous. Yeah. Which always didn't make sense to me why there was such a drug problem. Just go outside. Like, <laughs> I don't go know. get high off life. Yeah, like I have <laughs> the mountain air. Like. We would just climb up the mountain, me and my friends. Yeah. I feel like you'd be an easy... Well, I don't know. I didn't know you at the age of 13, but I feel like you would be good at making friends wherever you went. Um, so, actually, no. Oh, except for the fact that you look like a full-grown man at the yeah. age of 13. So, I don't know what it was, but like I was pretty bullied yeah. my whole life. Mm. The first school I went to... Westfield in Ingersoll, Mm -hmm. there was 100 kids in total. So there was 16 people in our graduating class. 15 people got invited to the graduating party. Oh, oh, no. Don't say that. Breaking my heart. (laughs) I liked this girl from JK. Her name was Kelsey. I remember where she sat in the oh room. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she was my, like, first crush. And I finally, what, well, grade six, so I was eight years later, I finally mustered up the confidence. Well, not even. I wrote on a piece of paper, would you like to go on a date oh with me? Oh, my God. Put yes, no. And then she wrote back with no, you're fat. Oh. She added you're fat. I was like, ah. You didn't leave a section for comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was not. This, this was a check the box. Oh, my God. So I grew a lot, and I just grew into my body, and I was. Yeah, yeah. Like it, more proportional. One of the best athletes in grade eight. That'll help, like, yeah. I played every single sport. Mm-hmm. I excelled at rugby, and then I got confidence, mm-hmm. but then kids saw it as cockiness. People don't like confidence when they're not no. confident. And I'm sorry, but puberty is not a time for people to be confident. No. And I'm not taking away from you, but that's that's the, the facts, unfortunately. Oh, no, so I would just walk the halls and people would call me like faggot and throw what? food at me. Yeah. And this is grade school or high school? This would have been middle school. So I was there. My dad, being an RCMP, after 10 years, they can move you wherever they want mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in the fourth year, they're like, if you go to Vancouver and be head of physical security for the Olympics. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. Smartest man in the room. So Head of security, yeah. There's a lot of yeah. tactical shit. He's yeah. very smart. He got to choose like three places and he'd get one of them for his next post. Okay. So we went to Vancouver for two years for the Olympics. Yeah. That was probably one of the best 
experiences of my life. Yeah. So you got to go like watch the Olympics happen or yeah. it was just you were just in the city when it happened? We were downtown Vancouver when Sidney Crosby scored the golden goal. Holy shit. It was like 100,000. It was probably, there will never be a feeling. It was like nobody was angry. There no. was not like you're hugging random. Like yeah. nobody cares. It was it was beautiful. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Our teachers were like, listen, this will never happen in any of our lifetimes again. Yeah. So I'm not going to be at school. We don't care if you are either. So we That's how just... it should be. I feel like when those Olympics happened, any school in Canada obviously wasn't the same. But like I remember it being a huge deal at my mm-hmm. little tiny grade school. And we were not anywhere close to yeah. where it was actually happening. But just the fact that it was in Canada and we were doing so well, it was like a huge spectacle. So to Broke actually be there, yeah. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. So how did having to relocate all the time how do you think that that formed you, good or bad? Uh, at the time, it sucked. I hated it. Yeah. When I left Penticton, it was like two-month thing. Like, it wasn't like I knew it was happening. Okay. Temporary. It, like, you weren't expecting to be gone Yeah, long. it was just like, I remember my grade 10 football year. I was a football captain, and mm. before week one, my dad's like, um, we're probably moving. Oh. And is it, like, sudden? Like, how quickly would you have to be up and out of there? Uh, so this would have been September. We left December. And it's like the beginning of the school year, too. Yeah. And you're getting comfortable, and you're, again, you're using what you have, which is sports, to build a community, and then you got to leave it. Yeah, I, um, this girl that I liked, I asked her out, mm-hmm. and she said yes. Oh. I had to move oh. <laughs> right after that, so I, I yeah. went to Vancouver. Um, How were the girls there? I dated a girl for a while there. Oh, all right. How long were you in Vancouver? Just under two years. Okay. And I knew I was leaving. And what sucked was, like, I didn't want to make friends because I'm like, I have to leave. Yeah. But then I made, like, I had a friend group for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, before this, I have one friend to this day that has been my friend before Windsor. Okay. His name's Dustin Morris, and he literally moved to Windsor but from Penticton, B.C., <laughs> because that's how close we are. Like, yeah. he's a brother. Like, we shared a room, not a house. So is he here now? Yeah, he lives here. Nice. He's got a baby on the way. Huh? Yeah, he that's very doesn't close. matter how doesn't much happen of a, with best, a, lot, so. a best friend you are, you will still want to kill each other if you share a room for two years. <laughs> I fully believe that. But we're good now. So I finally got a friend group, and then I got a girlfriend. Uh, she was the cheerleading captain. I was the football captain. Oh, shit. Little Cinderella story. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then I had to move. So, wait, you came from Vancouver to here? Yeah. So, you've been here for 13 years. Somehow. We got here, and I had about four football scholarships in grade 11. It went up to seven in grade 12. But I thought I was going to leave. So, I was like, I'm done making friends. I'm done leaving yeah. like people behind. So, I was an, kind of an asshole. Sorry to anyone at St. Anne's. You know, that, it's okay uh, to be jaded. It's okay. But I was an asshole for um, <laughs> one of my classes in Vancouver. At Lord Tweedsmere, we had a class called football. So during the season, we watched tape, mm. and off-season, we worked out. That did not transfer to a credit when I moved to Ontario. Oh, okay, probably. I believe that. Also, Ontario has, like, these tests you have to do every three years or something. Oh, is it, like, oh, I forget what it's e- like EQAOs? EQAOs, yeah. So I had to do all those in grade oh, 12. They're not fun. No, they were not. They're not, not challenging, per se, but they're not they're fun. Just annoying. Yeah, and there's however many of them. It's just unlocked part of my memory. <laughs> and so I had to go back for a fifth year. I got hit in the back of the head in a game that we were winning, and I was nowhere near the play, oh. and it gave me a concussion. I had to go to the hospital because now that I have scholarships, there needs to be records and stuff. Okay. Uh, I think that, you know, if you have a concussion, you should go to the hospital regardless, but I know men don't like to hear that. 
Ah, oh, they don't do anything. No, they don't. Y'all piss me off. No, I mean, the, the hospital doesn't do anything. I know they can't do anything, but documentation is important. Trust and me, like, I'm an expert. I know when I I believe have you're one. an expert, but this is the problem. Is that you're like, oh, anyway, proceed. Just concussions, head injury really freaks me out. Well, now. Yeah. Uh, back, Especially with what's known now, yeah. Yeah, but back in the day, like when I played, it didn't matter. So do you know how many concussions you've had total? 14. Four, oh my God, I was going to say four. No, 14. I have nine documented. I uh, know I've had 14. Because funny shit. thing, remember how I told you I was paralyzed on my left side? Sure. My dad could always tell when I was concussed because I didn't know where my left side of my body was. Oh, I could move it, but I didn't know where it was, so I would run funny. Oh. And I'd finish the game. My dad's like, you got concussed. I'm like, no, this I didn't. It's funny, but it's funny. I'm just imagining yeah. you running lopsided. But oh It was not God. like, it wasn't super noticeable, but like if you're my dad who notices stuff. Pays attention. Like, this shit freaks me out. Well, uh, fuck that. So where did you end up going to school then? So when I came out that I had nine concussions, I ended up in the psych ward. Whoa. How old were you? 17. 17? Yeah. And it was because of what? So that would have been my third attempt. Okay. We glanced over an attempt during we, we, my life. <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to go back. We'll, we'll uh, recount. So, actually, the reason why I'm here is something my dad said. He told me, when you're feeling angry or lost, unclench your fist, look to the sky, and smile. And it's impossible to feel better. I like that. I actually went to the 401, and I was going to jump in front of a oh, truck. Whether you believe in God or whatever, it just popped into my head at that moment to do that. As I'm standing like next to the 401. Like, bawling my eyes out. Oh. How old were you, sir, here? 17. 17. This is that one. Okay. Yeah. And I, like, unclenched, looked up, smiled, oh. and I just stepped back. So I guess it wasn't, like, I didn't really attempt, but I had uh, every... You, the thought was there, right? Yeah. So. And so I told my parents all the times. You did? They so didn't they, know they... until I was 17. And I tried when I was 12. Oh, so after that, that's when you told your parents about yeah. all of the... And did they know throughout this, throughout your childhood and stuff, that you clearly had an issue with depression nope. no i hit it very well and what did what were you thinking at the time watching like all these other kids not be depressed or is that how it felt like what, what were you for a long time i thought i was a monster mm. that the friendly bubbly face that people saw was a mask okay that i was the depression Got that it. i was garbage that i was that and i hit it as a kid though that's a very heavy thing to be aware of and a heavy thing to... I'm sure you weren't vocalizing it or aware of it the way that you are now as a grown-up, but... No, I was like, I didn't vocalize it to other people, but I knew that that's what was... I thought. I thought I was a monster. Okay, so this is maybe a weird question, but, like, did you were you depressed because you thought you were a monster, or do you think you were a monster because you were depressed? Like, I'm just trying to understand how a, a child would be aware of this, but, but still be a... I don't know. So, because obviously the conversation wasn't. I thought it was too. No, I thought I was two different people. I thought it was Jekyll and Hyde. Now I know I'm bipolar, manic. Okay. So I we're getting somewhere. This is yeah. I thought I was like like that outgoing, like I can take anything. Manic part of me was just a face that I put on. Oh, it's just so fucked up. So after the third suicide attempt, you told your parents everything. Yeah, I went to the psych ward. They wanted you to go, or you you willingly went. I did. I was scared. Good. But being scared of yourself is a very important part of all of this, right? Yeah. It is. So what what was the psych ward like? Honestly, like now looking back at it, it's kind of hilarious. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something (laughs) like that. I don't know how I knew. Anyway, proceed. How was it hilarious? So I went there. uh, (laughs) 
And I like I was wearing my football letterman jacket from Vancouver. Okay. I loved that jacket. I wore it till I was like 23, and I was like, I have to grow up now. <laughs> this guy comes up to me. His name was Dale. He was um. I think he just had like a mind of a 10 year old, and he comes up to me and he's like, "You look like Justin Bieber." Like, Thank you. <laughs> he's like, "Can you make me a jacket like that?" I'm like, "No, I don't have that ability." So I was like. Right away, and then I shared room with. I shouldn't say names. You like, shared a room with somebody. Yeah. Oh, Victor. We'll Victor. Victor. Okay. We'll call your roommate Victor. And um, he was interesting. Okay. He thought he had superpowers. You know, one day I was like, was laying in bed, and he's like, "You see that? Like outside?" I'm like, "No," because I have special eyes. I'm like. <laughs> and then he like goes like this. Rubs his hands. Like, yeah. And then he's like, "Touch my hand, okay?" He's like, "Is it hot?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like. Superpower. It's my superpower. I'm like, that's friction, man. Um, <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> so my mom had me move to a room by myself. Okay, okay. And then Dale came in one day at like 7 in the morning with a picture of Spider-Man he drew for me. Oh. Like, thanks, Dale. And then he asked me how to spell Wednesday. That's a tricky one for anybody. Yeah. Another time we are just sitting watching TV and Criminal Minds was on. They let you watch that in the That's what I said. Yeah. I was that's like, all about. Us. <laughs> And I went to the nurse that I had, like, made a friendship with, and I was like, I don't think uh, this should be on. Yeah, especially if I was you... like, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, and then I think, like, the last one, there was this guy, he was, like, 6'4". He had two cops with him at all times, mm. handcuffs, ankle cuffs, waist cuff, all that. Wow. Uh, it was snack time, peanut butter, toast, and milk. And then I went to get the milk, and it was the last one, because all that people go ahead of me. Sure. And he steps up and, like, takes the milk from me. And I was like, you know what? I'm lactose intolerant. I don't even, I don't even want this milk. And then I'd eat peanut butter toast without milk. I was like, <laughs> That's the conclusion of this story. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm this sorry. man took my milk. He was terrifying. Yeah, I don't think you were gonna argue that, were you? No, I felt like a dog with peanut butter mouth. My whole time, like. That is, if you don't have some kind of liquid yeah. like that, that can be very it was awful. <laughs> terrible. But, so how long were you in the psych ward for? A week. A week. And yeah. all of this happened. We weren't allowed to leave. Yeah. Like I couldn't even go outside. Yeah. So. Obviously, you have to talk to people while you're there. You have to do, like, counseling and whatnot while you're in the psych ward, right? No? Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't really talk to anybody. So what's the point of it if you're not getting support? Drugs. Okay, drugs. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. What year was this that you were there? <laughs> 2011. I meant to ask you. How old are you? 29. Turning 29. 30. Okay, so psych ward happens. Mm-hmm. You get out of the psych ward after mm-hmm. a week. What happens? I actually got out because I had to do a test at school. I had to do the e- EQAF. You were in school when yeah. this happened. You had to go do that fucking EQAF. Yeah. And I was like, I got to do a test. Let me out. No, so then we had high school. I met my best friend, Mike Davis. Okay. Who is now my brother-in-law. Oh. Married my sister. Oh, shit. I have a four-year-old and a... So you're an uncle. A couple months, yeah. Silver lining. I got hurt. And because I got hurt, couldn't go in my scholarship. I met Mike, and now my sister has a husband. That's your and whole life story. That's it right there. That's it. That's I, it right I made there. It. No, no, we got some stuff to unpack here still. So suicide attempt, 17, where you finish high school. You go back for another 50 or whatever, so you don't get your scholarships. Okay, fine. You still play football after that or no? No. Doctor said one more concussion could kill me. Yeah. And I was, I'm like, I'll go play. <laughs> like, I was, I didn't care. Uh, but my mom asked me not to, to play anymore. And that's valid. It's well, hard, but yeah. it is as, you know, that's fuck. That's fuck. So after the psych ward, do you feel better? Or is there even like a period where you're, you know, there's some respite or? 
The only thing that came personally that I think came out of the psych ward is a couple stories. And um, <laughs> there was a test that they did on me mm-hmm. that normally would have cost my parents two grand. But because mm-hmm. I was in the psych ward for a week, it was free. Well, look at that. For research. So when were you diagnosed as bipolar? That test. That test. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you're 17, diagnosed. Are you put on medication? Yeah. Yeah. So are you still on? No, it? I hated it. Okay. I'd rather fight my lows on my own and still have highs than just be a okay. zombie. I know I could probably find, like, if medication works for you, like, go nuts. It works for Like, I'm not, years. yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying medication doesn't work. Yeah. I probably could find one. Sure. But I love my highs. Okay. Like, I love when I'm through the roof making everybody smile and just... But, I'm sorry, what about the lows? I've, Are they I've gotten that low? 29 years of experience. I, well, I know experience, but... The problem when you know you're like this, like you know you have the capability to be super high and super low and you don't have that medium per se, you're not in that, whatever that's called. I mean, I'm not going to speak to this specific disorder because Mm -hmm. I don't have it, but if you can't, homostasis, I think that's what I'm, homeostasis, I don't know what I'm thinking of, but. um, Osmosis, mitochondria. (laughs) All that stuff, the powerhouse Mm -hmm. of of the the cell. cell. The only thing I learned in high school. And that's only from watching Bill Nye. Don't even fucking... How dare you? I will, out my secret. I'm going to out you because I'm right there with you. Almost failed biology. Um, if you can't find that like happy medium, or sorry, when you do find that happy medium, sometimes it can feel monotone. It can feel mundane. It can feel like... I hate it. Fuck. I get that. But it does stop your lows from possibly getting to the point where you're not in control of it and the low is so beyond low. I've beat that. Okay. And how do you think you've done that? Um, By understanding me. I know me. Mm-hmm. And just for example, like two weeks ago, my tire blew at the Petro just down there. All right. And this thing was, whoever put my tire on mm-hmm. was the goddamn Hulk. <laughs> like, we broke three wrenches. <laughs> the cops were called on me mm. by the Petro guy because I was in the way of them well, what fueling What are you supposed up. to do? Yeah, I know. He was just angry at me. But sure. he just comes out, yells at me to move my car. I'm like, I can't. And uh, so we broke a bunch of wrenches. I broke my like little jack thing. Like I snapped it. <laughs> the Petro was trying to fill up their tanks, like with the big oil tanks. Oh, yeah, t- yeah, like, yeah. They're like tanker. replenishing yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. After that, Petro guy yelled at me. The truck driver comes up to me. Uh-huh. And I was like, great. Like, this guy's going to yell at me. It's I don't want to deal with this. Comes up to me. He's like, what's going on? I was like, oh, my tire's flat. He said, oh, sorry, brother. And he gets like a wrench, tries to help me, couldn't help me. That's nice. And I was like, sorry, man, I'm just having a shitty day. And he looked at me and he said, but tomorrow will be better. Mm-hmm. And I used to talk to high schools about prevention of suicide mm-hmm. and depression. Mm-hmm. And I called it blue skies. Because mm-hmm. no matter how bad the storm is, behind the clouds, there'll be blue skies. Yeah. So when I get to that point, I know my waves are very, like, I understand myself now. You so when tell. I get to the lowest... Yeah. I know tomorrow will be better. Okay. There's a... So I eat a bunch and fall asleep. You what? I just eat a bunch of snacks and fall asleep. Okay. Fair enough. I feel like sleep is the way to really solidify, like, I'm tapping out. This mm-hmm. is this is my tap out now. It's not even the thought of, you know, ending mm-hmm. my life. Now it's, let's just go to bed. Let's just end this. Anyway, that's... I get what you're saying. I get, I do. And, and if you have a system that works for you, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And self-awareness is very important. My friend Vanessa and I, whenever we're having like a bad day, because we're <laughs> are very much each other's support system. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a period where a lot of bad shit was happening back to back for me, for her, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we always know like it's a bad day, not a bad life. And we always, when, when we can feel like we're on that downward trajectory, I'll catch her, she'll catch me and we'll say it's a bad day, it's not a bad life. 
say it, like catch it, whatever, mm-hmm. and that's good. And I'm, I'm hearing like my mom will say it or like somebody, like I'm hearing it. I don't know where I heard it. I heard it somewhere, but like just sometimes like those conversations with people, just unexpected stuff. That's why I always, when I'm like having a really, really high day, like lately I'll say, I don't know why over the past couple of weeks I've been very productive, very busy, very mm-hmm. up. I'm terrified for the low life. That's just life. Even something that's kind of mediocre is going to feel like a big dip coming up. But when I'm feeling this good, like I'm like at the mall, like complimenting people. Mm -hmm. I'm smiling. I'm holding doors. I'm doing whatever. But like it's important to do that because you don't realize like the ripple effect of that kind of shit. So the suicide prevention stuff. Okay, sorry. We're going to go back really quick. So third suicide attempt. Is there Mm -hmm. anything after that? Like attempt bars? No. No. Okay. No. I haven't tried since I was 17. Okay. Congratulations. That's something that's always on my mind, but. Sure. It's just like a little. The Jekyll's a lot smaller than the Dr. Hyde now. Okay. Okay. So the suicide prevention stuff, talking to schools, how did you get involved with that? I just did it. Did, did you reach out to somebody? Like how yeah, do you... I just went to, went to my old high school and said, this is what I want to do. Wow. December 8th, 2017, I put out a video on Facebook telling the world that I tried to kill myself Okay. when I was 12. That's how I beat it. It's not in my head anymore. Talking about it. it there's so much freedom. That's how I beat it. In talking about it. So... I've said this on the podcast many times. I've talked about whatever. Shame breeds in the dark. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the underlying stuff with a lot of this stuff, with depression, with whatever, a lot of it has to do with shame. When you don't talk about this shit, it breeds. When you're silent about stuff, it only gets worse. Not that you're isolating yourself, but these feelings are so isolating. So when you don't talk about them, it's only going to dig you deeper into that hole. So there has been a real freedom lately in me talking about the fucked up stuff that I just had to go through. It holds me accountable, not in a pressure kind of way, but Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like I can't go back. I can't be that person again because of how Mm -hmm. I've spoken about it now. Also, the amount of people who have reached out to say like, I feel that, or I've gone through mm-hmm. that, or whatever. Honestly, that's the entire fucking premise of this podcast, is to give people who have been through stuff, who have their unique experiences, an opportunity to talk about it because they don't realize how much it benefits the people around them. Men's mental health, specifically, is something that I don't want to say I find fascinating because obviously it's a part of every, it's part of life, it's part of society, but how do you think that over the years, maybe the idea of, okay, you're the backup parent in a way, you're six. How tall are you? 6'2"? Six 6'2". Two? Six two. Six two. You're a big guy. You're a bartender. You're playing football. How did that kind of influence your ability to talk or not talk about it? Um. <laughs> it's a loaded question. I'm sorry. <laughs> or is it something you think about? Or No, it's I talk because if I don't, the things I say to myself when I'm alone are way worse than anything mm-hmm. could ever say to me. Yeah. And I live every day with what was in my head when I tried to jump. I don't know everyone's story. I don't know what you've been through, but what I went through, what goes on in my head, I can understand it. I've been at the lowest a human can be. Yeah. So that's how I beat it. Men are taught not to talk. Yeah. We're taught not to show our emotions that if we talk, girls won't like us. Mm. If we show that we're weak, women won't think that we can support them. Sure. There's a role. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I even had a friend who's a he's a good friend of mine now. But when we first met, my tattoos are because I survived. Yeah. They're all for my family because without them, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I put that on my body to spark a conversation. Yeah. Because you might not know who needs to talk. And I brought it up. And when he first met me, he thought I was a douchebag and that mm. I didn't actually know what it meant because I was just so easily able to talk about it. Yeah, and I had this confidence around me that there's no way that this guy could have. Sure. On a very heavy note, a friend of mine 
just killed himself last week. Oh. And he was that guy that he could never. He could never talk about it? No, he could never. He could never have done it. That's what people thought. Oh, okay, okay. He was nice. He was funny. He was talented. He was handsome. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's why I do it. The day I put out that video, six hours later, a friend of mine killed himself. Jeez. I talk because I hope that one day somebody will be able to talk as well. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Being vulnerable is, to me, the most powerful thing that you can do. To be able to be honest enough with yourself, first of all, and then be honest with the world about stuff that's not easy for you to talk about. It, it's so beyond powerful. Like, I, And this is in no way a comparable thing, but I used to carry so much shame about my skin. Like, I hated my skin for so long. I had acne all growing up. And then within the past couple of years, all of a sudden I was just like, maybe if I just start talking and I'm, like, I'm just like open about the fact that I don't like this about myself and whatever, maybe I just won't feel so shitty about it. And then I did like, and it's mm. not like it's like something that I'm like flaunting or like, like whatever, but like I recently went on Accutane and like I've made it like a public mm. progress. Like, like, like people are aware, like I, you know, it's, it's just talking about this stuff that even if it's as silly as like your skin or, or as significant as suicide, like it is, it makes such a fucking difference. There's going to be somebody who's listening to this. Who's going to be like, holy fuck, I hate my skin. Like, like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Who's going to find comfort in hearing that? Because representation in this regard just matters like it's just so fucking important so i'm very like happy said, you're here you will say way worse things than anyone about yourself than anyone will say will ever you. say to you and when you open up about it you're allowing support if, if people come out and start saying terrible things about you okay but exactly what you're saying whatever they're going to say is not going to be as bad as what you've been saying to yourself so you might as well open up the avenue for support i also understand that there is an incredible amount of people and circumstances where they still feel as though they can't talk about it. Uh, certain mm. things when it comes to so many different topics. But that's where I think that we're doing so great in terms of just like getting dialogue out there about certain subjects like suicide, like whatever. The one thing like that really helped me to like the kill yourself jokes or mm. I just want to die like that used to trigger me. But then the one thing I started thinking is things are offensive, but you choose to be offended. Sure. So, but a lot of the time you have to understand the person's intentions or, or like if you can understand the person's intentions, sometimes you can't. If somebody on the Internet is telling you to kill yourself, you have no idea what context they're saying that in. Really. Even if it is that context. Sure. <laughs> Fuck you. Sure. Sure. I don't know. There's just a lot of power with words, but you're also right. It's what you let have power over you, too. Yeah. So. Wow, man. <laughs> like, I knew I knew everything with you was, like, heavy. Like, we've had these, like, kind of Not mini conversations. Heavy. No, but this is the thing is that you were very I got arrested this. once in the Bay because I was naked. Okay, we're going to get to that in just one second. <laughs> <laughs> when we first met, I remember, first of all, the first time I was thinking, but I think it was the company I was with. I thought, I don't think this guy likes me very much. And then the second time I saw you, I remember just immediately being like, this guy is a fucking teddy bear. Like, this guy yeah. is incredibly sweet, incredibly funny. He is an entertainer, and I know I've seen you at the bar, so it's one thing. My but friends call me a cartoon character. That is true. You're animated. A mix between Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> that is very accurate. Oh, my God. Oh, bother. <laughs> okay, well, I wouldn't have thought that you had all of this, I don't want to say depth, but all of this experience, I guess, unless, I think I said something about one of your tattoos, and then that's when you brought up, oh, yeah, I got it because of, my family because I tried to kill myself and blah, blah, blah. And for a second, I was like, whoa, what the hell? But then it's like, okay, people got layers. We got to talk about this. Here you are. I've met you like, what, three times? This is the fourth time I met you? 
And we're already sitting here talking about all this because this is who you are. I'm a talker too, man. I think it's five times. It's just wild how you connect with people, right? Okay, can we go back to the bay? Oh, you yeah. being arrested <laughs> in the bay? So I'm not allowed in the bay in Penticton, BC. Oh, okay, specifically there. Probably expires. I got um, dared to get naked with a lingerie mannequin in a display bed. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you followed through? No. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Fuck it. How old um, were you? 16. And then my friends took my clothes. Oh. That was a joke. Evil. But in my naked panic, I ran to the mall exit, not the exit exit. Oh. Oh, so you went into the mall. Yeah. Naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, just another little layer of me. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I believe I believe you that there's a lot. Also, another fun story with the Woodstock thing. I oh, right, you, right, right. Yeah. yeah, tell me. So I worked with this girl named Mariah. Okay. Mariah Wilson. Shout out Mariah if you're Shout listening. Shout out Mariah, yeah. I thought she was super cute. And Shout out cute Mariah. Cute Mariah. I asked her to get drinks. My mom's main name is Wilson, and no. my dad's mom's main name is Wilson. So there's two Wilson families in Woodstock okay. that aren't related. Okay. But I'm part of both. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the... That and but I'm like Wilson's a very common last name. Sure, like, she could be from you know. Yeah, she oh could God. be from like Connecticut for all I know. Um, and so we're sitting there talking, and it's going so good. And then she's like, "Yeah, I'm from I'm from Woodstock." Wait, sorry, this date happened here. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she, okay, continue. Yeah, it happened in like uh, West End Bear House. Okay. And um, <laughs> I was like, "Who's your grandpa?" Oh no, you have the same grandpa. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so that date didn't last well. Your cousins? Don't say it like that. We didn't do anything. I know, but I'm sorry. That's just so funny. Oh fuck! Yeah, it was good. Oh, okay. I've been on a date with my cousin. <laughs> so your friends now? What do you know about Alabama? Oh my god! So do you? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I'm from Essex, and that's a very Essex thing to yeah. happen. Oh God. Okay, so I want to go back. Um, so your dad being a preacher for a little while there, yeah. you said religion was sort of a part of your life for a bit. It was bit. very, very big until I was baptized. Actually. Until you were baptized? How old were you when you were baptized? Eighteen. Eighteen. You yeah. were baptized at eighteen. Yeah, the Baptist sect of Christianity does not believe in baptizing children because it should be a choice to follow God. Dad, I can respect. I really I, can. I did as well. Okay, so you were baptized and then you decided you weren't about it? Um, it was about the same time that it was known that I tried to kill myself. Okay. And in Christianity, suicide is a sin. Right, 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 right. So So I felt people treated me differently. Mm. Um, were you I like involved in, in you know churches or anything like that or religion or I used to go every Sunday. Hmm. I used to run kids' Bible camps. Oh. Yeah, for like Grade threes and stuff. Oh my god! So you were doing all of that, get baptized, say uh, that you've you've been suicidal, and my problem with religion isn't religion; it's people. Sure, a lot of people are like that. My friend Josh, who's very critical of religion or the, the Christian church, mm -hmm. he said something he's, about how he's never understood how, and I think about this all the time. He said, "I've never understood how people can use religion to, you know, be hateful or whatever. It's a deeply personal thing." So, yes, you have your community based on it, but to use that, all it's doing is amplifying the hate that you have. Mm. He didn't say that exactly. I'm actually really up playing Perfect. his words here. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he said was a lot more vulgar, but yeah. <laughs> but I think about that all the time, too. And 
I understand. For people to judge you for this, it's yeah. just, you know, I, I if am not one of you need religion, if that's what brings you comfort in Hope. the unknowing. Yeah. Um, but like, isn't I that the there's opposite? good Christians. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. But isn't it not the unknowing? Isn't it the knowing? That's what it gives that's them comfort? Because it is unknown. What happens after death, nobody knows. Exactly. But I thought that they're the whole. They think they know. That, okay, okay. So that's, that that's gives them do. comfort in what in is the unknown. unknown. Okay, okay. I get that. I get that. Oh, well. And I like, I respect it. As long as you. People find comfort in a lot of things. Yeah. It could be much worse. The one where, like, I will agree if you want to be hateful with things, then you better eat fish on Fridays. Sure. You better not be mixing fabrics. <laughs> There's a lot of very yeah. specific rules if you want to get down to it. So I hear. I've so never... if you want to pick and choose, I've, I've read the Bible. Of, if you want to pick and choose. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's kind of an all-or-nothing thing, yeah. isn't it? You can't. I remember I saw somebody I know, this uh, person that I know kind of seemed to become like a, I don't want to say bored again because I don't know, but mm. she posted something on her story about how people who believe in him, capital H, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Episode. I don't know why. I don't know why that makes me laugh. I want to be referred to her with a capital H if that's how we're going to be. Anyway. Same. Right? That bitch. That. Capital that T, capital B, please. That bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These hands. Anyway, she shared something about how if you believe in him, then you don't need crystals. You don't need dream catchers. You don't need this. You don't need that. And it was just like, whoa, whoa. I don't like that. I don't like you placing some kind of rule on belief when you are saying that if you are a believer... You can only believe in this one thing. You can't believe in other things. Is that not like an oxymoron? Like there's just something there that I was like, Ooh, I don't like that. This feels like you're no. trying to critique people's way of living. People are the problem. Like I, I personally am agnostic. Yeah. That's what I think I am. I, I, I'm very spiritual. I, wouldn't are, say I'm spir- I just don't believe that like this can all happen just because. Yeah. So there's like something Like you and me having a conversation with billions of things firing off in our brains. Sure. On billions of people. Sure. Well, you are the universe, right? Boom. You have the universe in you. You are part of yeah. the universe. And yeah, I, I, there's a lot of, God, I could talk about that forever. I'm kind of trying to hone in on it right now and, and understand a little bit because seems, as everybody know, life happens in mm. waves and flows and it's the in-between that matters and all of that shit. But like I had a hard three months, we'll say, November to January. I don't know. Whatever that was, where I had a couple moments where For I was second, never. I forgot December was a month there, and I was like, "That's only two months." Yeah, well, the crazy. holidays really fucks everything up, right? <laughs> it's that's like November, January. I'm like, "That's two months." <laughs> yeah, whatever. Forgot month. about a whole month there. Whatever months it was, whatever that time period was, there was a couple moments where I remember like looking at my mom or looking at myself or just being or my friends and just saying like, "Am I ever gonna feel better? Mm-hmm. Is am I gonna feel like this forever? Because I'm so fucking down." At no point was I suicidal, thankfully, because as that has been a thing, I was very happy that I didn't get to that point. But I remember just feeling it for the longest amount of time that I've ever felt it, like continuously, because it would kind of like flash in and out. Mm. But this time it was like solid, at least two weeks at a time where I was crying nonstop Mm. and then something else would happen. And it was just like just getting lower and lower and lower. But I meditate. I do. It took a minute for me to say like. I remember, and I said this in the last episode with Bianca too, I kept saying, because things are so bad, something big is going to happen. There's going to be a big change. I am manifesting some kind of transformation. Something is going to happen. But I was trying to force this to happen. And it doesn't work like that. And now I feel like, and I, I'm i a little superstitious because right now things are going incredibly well. Nice. Good thing after good thing after good thing is happening. And I'm not going to say it's because I just had to go through all that hard shit, but there's just a weird kind of timing that's mm. happening. So I'm just, excuse me, other than having a fucking cold that keeps coming and going, I don't 
know what it is, but I'm just like open to it now. But again, just like with what I just said, it's a deeply personal thing. I don't need to convince the world of this where I think mm-hmm. that maybe that's what I thought before, where I was thinking I'm going to transform because I was just so low and I'm going to prove that you can bounce back and things are going to be great. Instead, I just let it happen. And now things are on this like upward trajectory, not because I forced anything to happen, but because I gave it space. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. And I don't know. It's just I'm, I'm trying not to like get superstitious about it because I want to believe that good things are happening to me because I put good out there. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And it's the same. Like, I think you are a great person. And uh, I think that I think that it's important that you have this positivity within you while also talking about the negative stuff because it's so easy to forget the negatives when you're up here and it's so easy to forget the positives when you're down here. Mm. So if you acknowledge it at all times, both ends of the spectrum, I think that that's a good thing. And that's my little fucking tidbit of wisdom for the day. Boom. Boom. Check and mate. You kind of killed it, man. So is there anything else you want to plug? You want to talk about? Come to Funky Chow. Come see this man right here. (laughs) Come see him do his thing. Funky Chow speaks for itself. I think it fucking does. I just put alcohol in cups. Yeah, that's all you do, huh? No, I wanted to be a bartender since I was six years old. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I I used to make hot chocolates for my grandma and my parents. (laughs) And my grandma got me like 10 different types of hot chocolates. So I'd rock around our cottage taking like orders. Yeah. Great grandma got the little Panama Jack slipped in there. I didn't have my smart serve. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Who cares? I'm sure it was legal at the time. I was six. It's never. That's <laughs> never legal. So you've always wanted to be a bartender. Yeah. This is your calling. Well, when I would bring hot chocolates to them, no one's ever sad. You're right. You're That's right. why I loved. I was a flower delivery boy for a while. Oh. That was an awesome job. That would be awesome. Very. Positive. I only had one person that was upset. It was Mother's Day. I did seventy deliveries. And this one woman, I just gave her flowers. She's like. They remind me of funerals. I'm like, well, your son's thinking of you. Jeez. Goodbye. <laughs> Maybe she hates her Please son or leave. something. I'm like, ah, I don't know what to say to you, ma'am. I it's... don't, uh, I didn't buy them for you. That was oh, fun. See, just as easily as people can spread their negativity, you got to spread that positivity too. Yeah, sure. Uh, so come see you at Funky Chow. That's the message. That's the vibe. That's that's it. That's what this whole hour and seven minutes <laughs> it's was been about. A big it's, promo. Uh, it's a commercial for you know Funky what? Chow Kitchen. <laughs> I feel like people are going to listen to this, and because you mentioned so many things, big things, so casually, just like sprinkled into the conversation. If anybody has any questions, write them down, send them to me. Yeah. We'll have Jake back, and we'll we'll do a little Q and A. Or just come down to Funky Chow Kitchen. Ask him yourself. Just yeah. sit at the bar. Obviously, he's an open book. Yeah, he's Very. a friendly guy. Yeah. Friendly, friendly guy. All right. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. I'm happy to have you. I'm going to end this right here. Thank you for listening. If you stuck around to the end, that was Jake. Very great guy, right? I'll be back in two weeks on April 6th. We said our last goodbye Drove through the rain to town Is it breaking your heart with me not around? If I had just a bit more time, I could have made you mine. But I'm alone again for now. Oh, my.
was seventeen So I could pass by your house Maybe you would see me Ten more years would pass Before I got my chance Some of the songs you can 